Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenpland. The FNF Coaches Podcast is just part of the FNF Coaches platform. Visit FNFcoaches.com to see all of our content offerings from daily features, videos, and our most recent digital publications. Also, with the holiday season approaching, you can give the gift of an annual FNF Coaches subscription by clicking on the subscribe tab at the top of the page at FNFcoaches.com. It's a perfect gift for other members of your coaching staff. They will receive five copies of FNF Coaches Magazine in 2021 for just $19.95. Also, subscribe to the FNF Coaches Podcast on your preferred platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, and we are on Pandora. Our guest today is a football coach and special education teacher at Michigan City High School in Northwest Indiana. Along with two other coaches, he started the blog High Speed Spread Football. You may be familiar with his Twitter handle, at the Coach Mo Huddle. Coach, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to talk ball. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you. I should I I don't even know if I said you, so. It's Coach Morick. Um, I was just asking about the pronunciation, but yeah, just wanted to make sure I uh, I got that there. So. Uh, we spent a lot of the late summer tracking which states were slated to uh, play high school football this fall and which states decided to push the season to the winter or spring. I know you're in northwest Indiana. Uh, so Illinois postponed the season of the spring and Indiana played this fall. Is that right? That is correct. And how did how did it work out for your program this fall? We were really, we were kind of in between as far as during the summer, we kind of closed things down for a little bit. Um, came back late. We started the season. If you would have told me we would have gotten as many games in as we did, I would have been shocked because I really thought we would get we'd get in the season about three weeks in and shut everything down. Well, we actually got six games in, and we had two pauses. One because of one of our coaches was a. Uh, was positive and then later on another team had to close down so we lost three games um two in the middle of the season kind of good news bad news it helped us reset a little bit um and also it the two teams that we missed in the middle of the season were two of the best teams we had to play we would have <laughs> had to play so we didn't really miss them too much yeah so but it, i mean we we went through all the protocols and everything like that, and it was it was it was really good. Um, school wise, was kind of I think we were fortunate because we started the year virtually and didn't go back to in person learning until about week nine for us, and that helped us out I think tremendously. How so? Uh, because we didn't have we didn't have all of our kids in the school with the other kids that may have contact, you know, because of contact tracing and, and things of that sort. No, I see what you're saying. Um, So was it just the football team doing remote or was it everybody? Everyone did remote. Oh, okay. And then we pivoted back in person for two weeks and then went to hybrid for two weeks. And now we're back to online again, which is, is very difficult. Yeah, I was going to say, and you're a special education teacher, which um, I would think makes it even more difficult to do remote. My wife is an uh, English as a second language or English as a learning language teacher. She's been remote all year. And it's um, it's a difficult thing because, uh, you know, you're you're used to 
being in person and kind of that personal connection. How have you found uh, the teaching process this year? It's it's actually been a little bit difficult. I'm fortunate that I co-teach English 9 and 10, and my co-teacher is fantastic, and we work well together. It's our second year together, and the nice thing about being, being in a Zoom meeting is I can have private conversations with kids that you would normally not have in a classroom setting. And I can kind of prompt them to, you know, where to go and, hey, you missed this one. You know, let's look at that. So that's been helpful. Yeah. Um, but the attendance has been not too spectacular. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and now going back to uh, football. Now, what, what's your background with football? Uh, did you I, I, I saw that you went to Ball State. Did you play there? I went to Ball State. I did not play there. Um that's probably one of the interesting stories that I have in my life is, so I, I'm a PE major in, in my background. I took the classic um, football techniques class and then teaching and coaching football, which was a great class. Took it in the spring and every class was, or every session was taught by a different coach. So we learned about linebackers one day, linebacker coach came in. It was great class. We had to do a notebook. At the end, um, I had to go to the football office to pick up the notebook. The secretary said, you might want to look at the notebook before you leave. Look at the grade. So I open it up, and it says A++, best mm-hmm. notebook I've ever seen. And this is the head coach, Ball State, coached at uh, Michigan for years, Paul Shudell, great mentor of mine. And she said, you might want to talk to him. So I go in and talk to him, and he said, are you interested in coaching? I said, yes, I am. And well, we have this opportunity called student assistant, you know, undergraduate assistant. And I said, well, let me think about it. And why I said, let me think about it was beyond me. I actually said, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two years. And that was great, great experience for me. We got, I got to travel because I have pretty good handwriting. And I had to, um, when I was on the road, we would, uh, back then we chart all the plays live. And I got to do that. And the third string quarterback loved me because he used to have to do that. So that was one of the the benefits of doing that. And it was a great time. And that's what I did at Ball State. Did that for two years. We went, uh, the second year won the conference. We went to what was then the California Raisin Bowl. So first week of December, about the same time this, you know, about this time of year. We got out to Fresno for a week and it was awesome. Great experience. That's great. Now, had you played in high school before? Um... Yes, I played in high school four years. I was the classic um, bench warmer, had some opportunities to play here or there, but, you know, played on a great team, very successful team, Mishawaka Marion. We ended up this, um, our senior year, we were ranked top five and got beat by the number three, number three team in the, in the state, my senior. Oh, that's interesting. Now, um, how did you, so the coach at Ball State, uh, when you were there, you said he had come from Michigan. How did he impact your coaching style or what lessons did you learn from him? He, and it's funny, the, the biggest would be he never used any profanity. And it was funny because he would say, you know, oh, horse feathers and, and things of that sort. And you know, you're coming, this was in the late 80s, and during that time, well, 
at, a lot of times when I talk to younger coaches, it's like, you don't need to use profanity that much. And I still kind of utilize that because, you know, I'll, I'll throw the salty verbs out there occasionally. And now my, all my players know, okay, coach Mo is mad because I'm using profanity. So that's, that's the big thing about that. He was very much into our theme back then was one game at a time just taking one week at a time. A lot of people use, you know, one and oh this week, things of that sort. Um, very religious man, very deep in his faith, great players, you know, coach traditionally. That's how he really impacted me. Yeah. Uh, and what about your philosophy? I saw, so your, um, your high spread, high speed spread football blog. I was going through that. How, what was, what, who were your influences in terms of running that up-tempo uh, spread offense. Well, I was, I've been um, coaching for over 25 years and I was lucky enough that in the early 2000s, I was an assistant coach at home at Flossmoor. And at that time, the head coach, he was very much into up-tempo and I learned a ton from him. Um, coach Tom Bailey, um, great influence back then. I mean, no huddle, Back, I mean, it was this was 2001, two, and three in that area right then. Um, I came on the staff. He said, I need a veteran guy to help out. And you know what? You're going to take the um, at, at what time I thought it was the quarterbacks. He said, No, you're taking the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the wide receivers. I was like, What? What would that's I'm not used to that. I'm used to either wide receiver, I'm used to all three of them doing their separate things. Like, nope. They all work together and they have to catch because that's the, that's the hardest thing to do is to catch the football. We never worked on meshes, handoff meshes. My apologies to all the running, you know, the triple option guys that would probably kill them. Um, But we ran a lot of zone read back in the day when a a lot of uh, people didn't know what zone read was a lot of run and shoot philosophy type of type of, um, pass plays and just we threw the ball a ton our one of the years our uh backside receiver caught 78 balls and that was a lot back then yeah that's and then he was always up tempo all no it was all signals and then the second year that I was on the staff um I coached with coach John Kanicki he was the offensive line coach. He's also the co-author of the blog. And we have just gone from there as far as the up-tempo style. Um, my current team doesn't use it as much. We will go some no huddle here and there. But my head coach calls the plays, and he likes to kind of shuttle the guy back in, in back and forth into the huddle. So Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about some of the uh... – some of the advantages of running an up-tempo offense. And obviously, uh, you know, when you see it play out and everything is working well, you wonder why everybody doesn't do it because, you know, the the offense is right up to the line. The defense is huffing and puffing because they're not used to running the up-tempo style. They can't get any substitutions in the game because uh, the offense is right back up to the line of scrimmage. And And it looks great when it's all clicking. What were some of the advantages that you see as, as uh, that makes it such a favorable offense for you? Well, first and foremost, it, it keeps the defense vanilla. 
because they can't really get calls in as, as fast, although defenses have adapted. Um, from I coach quarterbacks, and from a quarterback standpoint, if you think about it, I'd rather have the quarterback up there looking at the line of scrimmage than in the huddle calling the play. It gives them that much more time to see what's going on with the uh, – what the uh, defense see what the secretary or the secondary is doing and seeing what the linebackers are doing, what kind of front is going on with the D line. That's, that's first and foremost. And the classic, you know, you can do the math, simple math of, you know, it's eight yards from the huddle to the ball, to the line of scrimmage. How long does it, you know, and thousands of yards. I think someone did it. Coach Kanicki did it once and it's like thousands of yards over the course of, of a game and you know how much linemen like to run right um and it's just it it it's into the whole military aspect of if you get them on the run you want to keep them on the run you want to keep them on their toes um if you keep their heart rate going their brain kind of is not working at optimal capacity that's another reason too right yeah, it's interesting. I'm an Eagles fan, Philadelphia Eagles fan um, in the NFL. And this this season, one of my pet peeves, it's been driving me crazy with the Eagles. Um, you know, Carson Wentz is having a really difficult year and it looks like he's going to, well, he is getting benched this weekend. He got benched last weekend. Uh, but one of my pet peeves this season has been uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, calls the plays. And he's been getting these, you know, plays in so late when Carson Wentz is struggling to kind of get his confidence and you look to the, and Doug Peterson, he almost, he waits till the ball spotted and then he's looking for the exact spot. And then you see him looking and down at his, at his wrist or, you know, his play sheet and he's looking through the menu of plays. And then finally he makes his decision on a play. He gets it into Wentz. They're getting out of the huddle with like seven or eight seconds on the clock. They're jogging up to the line of scrimmage. Next thing you know, they're right up against the play clock and they get the snap off, you know, right at zero and you're like, give this guy a chance to get to the line of scrimmage and scan the defense and figure out, you know, what defense they're in and put somebody in motion and see how they're going to cover him and give him a little bit more information before the snap when he's struggling the way he is. I mean, Wentz is obviously having a tough time just connecting easy passes this year, but it's like, it it just seems to all be going, everything's a problem for the Eagles. And I think you're right with the times that they have run up tempo and they get the defense gassed and they make the defense a little bit more vanilla is where he's actually had a little bit more consistency this year. So I wish they would do more of that. Now um, I know you've, as I was looking through your uh, through, I think I was just Googling you and kind of looking through your history. You've been a head coach before. Um, is it, is it something that you're looking to try to do again or, or would you like to call plays again or what are kind of your goals as a, as a coach? It's it's been really tough because I'm going to be 54 in January, and it's it, people ask me all the time, "Are you itching to be a head coach again?" It's like, yeah, that's always been my goal to become a head coach because the first time I did it around was not too successful, and it's the classic. If I had the opportunity again, I would change dramatically. I mean, I, that was 20 years ago. I would like the opportunity to call plays on the varsity level. That'd be a, a another goal um little known fact i still coach jv i'm probably one of the oldest jv coaches in the nation and still to do the jv thing because i'm able to call the plays which is great because jv defenses are not really too scary at times (laughs) and um but 
it's just a matter of now I'm getting to the time that I worry about, you know, the teaching pro- profession and finding the right place. But, you know, the classic is if you wait too long, the opportunity is going to pass you up. So eventually I'll find it. Yeah. Find the right opportunity. But I'm fortunate enough that I've been with the same head coach for the past 12 out of 11 years. He got a where we are currently, Michigan City. He was the head coach there for one year before he had a chance to get me over there. So um, we work together well. It's kind of the classic yin and yang. He is the 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 very feisty, you know, salty language and intense type of guy. And here I am kind of mild manners at times and we work together well. And it's it's you kind of get comfortable. You hate yeah. to say that you get comfortable, but it's you know what you get from year to year. We had great success early on at our previous stop and, you know, one state and had another trip to state. And currently we're at Michigan city and it's been great there. Uh, two trips to the final four and we're just building. It's, it's been great. The community has been great and just building the community there. And that's the hard thing is, you know, whenever you think about leaving one job, you're not, you're leaving kids and you're leaving that community and you're leaving the parents that you love so much. So that, that's the hard thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you said you would do things differently if you got another chance to become a head coach, what would you do differently? Oh, let's see. Um, probably I did try to do some community service with the kids and some team building type of ideals, but it's, I, I think back then it was, run what's well suited to your players and what you kind of know back then I thought that was when Purdue was throwing the ball all over the place. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to come in and throw the ball all over the place. Well, I didn't have those kids and I should have ran more of a triple option type offense. That's what I kind of look at back then. I had, had a quarterback that was a, you know, small athletic type of kid, but not a thrower. And then you know, I could probably go into a whole pack podcast in itself of that, those two seasons. Yeah. Now, when you, when you do get a chance to call plays, you know, now at the JV level or, um, you know, when you've called plays in the past, how do, how do you do that when you're trying to run an up-tempo, uh, high-speed spread offense? Is it, uh, you know, play car, you know, are you sig- signaling from the sideline? Do you have, uh, you know, I, I remember when Chip Kelly was with the Eagles, they'd have like pictures of um, the Liberty Bell that they'd hold up and that would be, you know, their formation or, you know, how do you get your plays in? Well, currently what we utilize is, is two different things. I'm kind of the wacky type of person that I can use verbiage. I can yell verbiage out or I can signal. Um, so I like both. I haven't been big on signs because in it's, it goes back to a logistics type deal of I've talked, I've liked to, know how people make the signs, how you travel with the signs, who's holding the signs. It's just, it just seems like too much of a pain for me. I did wristbands way back in the day and I'm turned off on wristbands now because again, you got to clean the wristbands. You got to change the card in the wristbands. It, that was just a total pain too. So I, I'm one of those deals where I can, we utilize signals for, for the kids. It's been great because I tell kids that we're in a community that 
We don't always get the kids that play Pop Warner. We don't always get the kids that play since they're freshmen. So when we get them in, they're a great athlete. And I tell them, all right, we don't have a written playbook. We have it in huddle. We have it in other places. Learn the signals. All you got to do is learn the signals and, and you're good to go. So like during the course of a game, varsity game, we've done it. JV games, one one individual might forget what's going on. And all I have to do is just do one quick signal and he's he's good to go. So I'm one of those deals where I could yell if I wanted to, or if I, I could signal if I, I, the guys that yell a lot, a lot, I don't know how they get it through because crowd noise can be an issue at times. How they keep their voice is another thing. That's Coach Kanicki, like I said, he and I, we coach together. I've seen him um, coach numerous times. He's all verbal. And how he gets through a game without losing his voice, I kid with him all the time. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Now, how? Um, what what offenses do you study? Um, uh, what Which offenses do you enjoy watching that you kind of uh, pull from when you're either, you know, drawing up your own plays or even, uh, you know, blogging, writing, writing the high speed spread football blog. It's really whatever catches, catches my eye or my co-author's eye, as far as what's going on. I mean, I, we are unique in the sense that our run game starts with inside zone and then we can easily translate to a gap scheme and the hidden secret sauce for us is when we walk, when we find our H back, if we find H back, we're good. We can run our, our power game. We can run GH counter. We're big on that too. Last couple of years, we've been able to run um, GT counter a ton. Um, but that's been difficult because you can't always find that tackle that can pull. That's why for as long as I've been with my current head coach, coach Mason, he and I love GH counter because all you have to do is find that H back. He's the great puller. So that's, I'm intrigued by really, like I said, everything. I can, I can watch everything. I'm just a football junkie. Um, I love all the air raid stuff, all the run and shoot stuff. I talk to other coaches about that all the time, how they institute that into the high school level. Um, the, the big thing is power read. We're, we're a big power read team and how people complement that. That's, that's our big next study that we, how you complement power read, whether it be RPO or play action and then empty, anything empty, love the empty game because high school level, there's always going to be some weakness. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get an advantage in numbers that way. The uh, what do you think of the job? I know that you're uh, you're you're in Indiana, and it seems like it, the University of Indiana's football team's kind of on the rise here and making some noise uh, nationally. Tom Allen, we've actually uh, had him on before, not on the podcast, but I did a kind of a Q and A with him um, not long after he got hired there, and he he seems to be doing a great job there. What do you think of uh, the program and the job he's done? And have you ever met him? I've met him. He is, he's awesome. That's, that's all I can say. I mean, I tweeted that out, I think last week after the Wisconsin game, you know, how the players are hugging him coming off when there's, he's doing the, the one-on-one interview after the, the game. And that the thing that he has the advantage of how, why Indiana football, as far as Indiana university football has floundered so much in the last couple of years is that, previous head coaches never tapped into the Indiana 
high school coaches. And it's like, we got some players here. And he, being a former high school coach in, the, in Indianapolis at Ben Davis, he was able to tie into that. And, and that's the big thing that's been impressive is, you know, when a head coach can get, you know, recruits and actually pay attention to his home state, that's, that's going to prove dividends. That's, that's the big thing with him. I have a couple, I have one of my quarterbacks when I was at Adrian, he's a preferred walk on there. He loves him. He can't say, you know, one bad thing about him. I think that's the big thing. And it's just, even though I'm an offensive coach, he's a defensive coach in reality in, in retrospect. And I think that, you know, why he's so feisty when it comes to getting after the players, how he is on the sideline. He's just awesome. The enthusiasm is is great. Yeah. And he's I remember the conversation with him thinking that he is a pretty innovative coach too. I think he uses uh GPS technology to trap track his players during practice. I think he was really uh kind of out in front of the nutrition, you know, smoothies and shakes and things like recovery uh drinks, all that kind of stuff and uh he was doing a lot of stuff that now is probably pretty common in college, but he, you know, in his program, he was out in front. Is there any new uh, technology or apps or anything you're using as a coach uh, now that maybe has helped your program in the last couple of years? Well, of course, the huddle sideline. Any well, we've used GameStrat too in the past. Um, the sideline replay systems have been unbelievable. How how much that's impacted the game because I went back in the I've, I've been around that I can remember all it was was getting it from the you know from the from the press box and then we got excited when we could hey we could take pictures and look at pictures and now hey we can just look at an iPad and, and see it and see what's going on that's that's been huge um just being able to the last couple of years, I've been able to have the opportunity to find a couple of kids that are not football players to come out and help during um, during practice. And and there are tech guys and they film practice. They do everything like that. They're, they've been fantastic. That's been a hidden gem. Um, go the uh, go Army Edge playbook has been fantastic, too. Just the th- the 3D aspect of it has been great. I've done some uh, downloading. I make some videos of that. I share with my quarterbacks. That's been huge. Um, I think I tweeted out the other day. My my thing that I'm looking for now is I watch all these zooms and everybody's drawing and, and, and the drawing looks like they're, you know, a two year old drawing. It's like I need I need something to draw in a zoom meeting that actually kind of looks kind of slick. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, yeah, the coaches. I you know, it's all changing now. It's it seems like it's Zooms now and Google Meetings or Google Meets and um, you know, the the remote learning and all that stuff is is has changed a lot. And the way the coaches are uh, engaging with players has certainly changed throughout the pandemic. Uh, what about uh, in terms of strength training, strength and conditioning? How how has that gone for you during the pandemic? Have you been limited by to the number of athletes you can have in the weight room at one time, or are you wearing masks in the weight room? And how is the? I've heard a lot of coaches say, 
Um, you know, they didn't feel like they entered this season in the same type of physical condition, maybe as they would have, uh, had they had a more complete strength training, uh, program throughout the off season in the summer when there were stoppages. And as a result, you know, they maybe had more substitutions throughout the season, uh, during games because they wanted to, uh, kind of keep players fresh that might not have been in the top condition. How did you find the strength and training, uh, strength and conditioning program, uh, go during the pandemic that was really difficult to just to to kind of get through we kind of gave them some ideas to do at home and you know some were able to get out you know on on a field and do some work there um, currently it's been kind of tough because well we're limited in the in the sense that our weight room is really small to begin with so we have to be really creative what we're doing in the weight room. We're, although we are really lucky that we have a ton of our kids are in our weight training classes, even though those are just kind of virtual too. And it's just, you, you kind of get, you have to get really creative of what you're doing. And then you kind of have to be old school of, Hey, body weight is, is not bad. Pushing around body weight is not bad. You know, they get stronger that way. You get too many kids that are trying to put too much on a bar and they their technique suffers. That's been the huge, huge deal with that. And what do you think, like when you look back at 2020, uh, there have been so many challenges. There have been, you know, the strength and conditioning, like we just mentioned, the fact that uh, for, you know, the stoppages in the season where it's tough to keep guys motivated when there's no uh, guarantee that they're even going to be able to finish their season. What do you think the biggest challenge of 2020 has been for you as a coach? It, I would say just the, the amount of meeting time. I would, that close personal connection I would, I would have with kids um, because we would do a lot of, um, like, cause like I said, I'm a quarterback coach. I do a lot of quarterback school with them where, all right, before practice, come in 30 minutes, we're going to do some stuff on the board. Couldn't do that anymore. Um, you know, stay after and, couldn't do that anymore. We were able to do a little zoom that, that was good. But like I said, it was kind of limited as far as, you know, diagramming and watching plays on huddle or whatever format that we're using at the time. Um, just get having close connections with the kids. It was lost. Still was able to, because, you know, it's 2020 and you can text with kids, you can DM them all the time. So that's been helpful, but um, bus rides were really not as challenging as we thought. We were able to get a couple extra buses. We we're fortunate with our school system that you know, they provided some extra buses. So we were able to socially distance there. Locker rooms were kind of interesting at the time. There's a couple times we didn't have a locker room. So we had to, you had to dress, you know, it was kind of old school dress, dress right there. And or we'd say, okay, you're loan your you're wearing your lowers on the way there and have at it. Hmm. Now are there ways that you think even, you know, say there's a vaccine out here this spring, um, and it, you know, I feel bad for some of these program uh, some of these states that are have decided to postpone the season until the winter, you know, California is supposed to start in January and it's like these virus numbers are causing more shutdowns all over the place. I don't know that they're going to be able to have much of a season at all for any of these states that postponed. But beyond that, you know, once the vaccine hopefully is out and people are taking it, 
Are there ways that you think uh, the game or the way the game is coached will change beyond this year, even when it's not, we're not in the middle of a pandemic, things that may uh, you'll take and say, this is something that may benefit our program, even though we can get back to normal. This is something we're going to keep doing. Well, I think the the biggest is the ability to, you know, jump onto a zoom or Google meet and meet with kids or other coaches. That's been invaluable because we actually start utilizing it as a coaching staff in the early spring and part of the summer. And that was quite nice to not have to, you know, cause I live about 30 minutes away, 35, 40 minutes away from our high school and not to make that drive for a coaches meeting. It's kind of nice. Yeah. So that's been nice. Be able to collaborate without, you know, spending a ton of time in the car. That's that, that'll be good. And then just the, the technology has been just a godsend as far as being able to, you know, share film, share ideas, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I've heard other coaches say that too, that, you know, even those Sunday meetings where you're kind of looking at film and trying to put in a game plan and, you know, you take an extra 45 minutes driving into the facility and, you know, getting together and then you're, you know, wasting time chatting or going to the vending machine and all that stuff. Whereas if you can eliminate all that wasted time on a Sunday and say, hey, we're just going to meet for 90 minutes and kind of go over film and a game plan for next week, you end up, get, you know, having much more time at home with your family uh, when it is, you know, crazy and you're not, you're not now, I think everybody's looking for ways to get out of the house. Cause you're like, Hey, I've been, you know, stuck in the same house for nine months now. And I, I want to get out and do something. But, um, you know, I think once, once it gets crazy again and coaches schedules are back to normal, I think those zoom meetings will be helpful for at least, uh, coaches meetings and things like that. I saw on your, uh, Twitter, you're also a parent, how is this pandemic? How are your kids holding up in the pandemic? How has it affected them? I'm not only a parent; I'm a husband of a of a elementary music teacher too. And oh. we are in a three school district household. Wow! Which um, that's been interesting. Like I said, my son has been in person. They they have one e learning day a week, and they just keep rolling. Um, he was he's a freshman. He played on the team. Uh, one of the interesting, he was, he played for a team Valparaiso that was one of our biggest, um, the, the, the team that we, uh, we couldn't play during the regular season. Um, we played them in the playoffs, it was a tough loss. So that, that's been interesting. They, they shut down for a little bit, but their freshman team continued to play. That's been interesting. My wife is at a school district where they started in person. They were online for a little bit and then they're back in person been kind of weird we there's been times when we're all at home there's times that no one's at home there's been times when he's just home or i'm just home right so it's it's been yeah all over the place he just does his thing it's a bigger school and i just keep on asking him every day it's like how many kids were out not i don't really recognize but of course that's a freshman you know boy answer of i don't know and we get daily emails and a couple of kids are out and how he's not been out because of contact tracing is they're they're They must be doing a spectacular job because their, their staff is still intact because that that's the big thing with any school district is not necessarily the kids being out is 
if it starts affecting the staff, right. that's, that's the big, the big issue that I think some are starting to get there. Yeah. My, uh, my kids are, I have a six year old and a seven year old. So they're in first and second grade. And, um, I almost feel that they've, they've been remote all year and they, they say, you know, there's really no, uh, kind of light at the end of the tunnel for that, where they say, oh, you know, we're going to try to come back January 4th or anything like that. They just say, you know, I think this is probably going to be a, an entire year of remote learning. And I, w- I was really worried about that in uh, just for the social piece. You know, I, I think they're, my kids do a pretty good job of keeping up with the remote learning and uh, keeping up with the schoolwork and all that. And we kind of are lucky where uh, my wife's parents are close by and they're retired teachers um, so they, we drop off my daughters over there in the morning and we pick them up. Like, so it's almost a regular school day, except there's no interaction with other kids. So you worry about that social piece, but then there have been days, you know, where my, uh, in-laws have had things going on and, you know, we've had to keep the girls home to do the remote school here. And then, you know, my wife's on a zoom teaching and my kids are on zooms learning and I'm trying to do a podcast or something. It just gets you know, we're kind of slamming the, the Wi-Fi signal here and try, all trying to hang on for dear life, but it works out okay. We're, we're, uh, we're going to get through it, hopefully, and then maybe next year we'll be back to, you know, kids in school. But, um, yeah, the remote learning, we're, we're doing the best we can. Uh, now, if you are, have you been uh, following the college season? Who do you like to come out uh, and win a national championship this year? What team do you like this year? Well, I'm from the South Bend area, so I'm kind of partial to – University of Notre Dame, but yeah. I'm a realist to think that it's probably going to be Alabama again. <laughs> Although I like what Clemson's doing, and you know, it's it's really a to say who who ends up having you know positive tests with COVID. That's that that will be the interesting thing. I think it'll de- kind of determine what happens in the the championship games too. Right. You know, I'm kind of sour what the Big Ten did with you know, allowing Ohio state in the championship of, you know, uh, let's let them in. Cause they have five, you know, it's only five games and, you know, I, I use, although I, you lost to them. So you have that. Right. Um, but I, I've not seen Alabama a ton. I've seen Clemson a little bit. Of course, I've seen Notre Dame every weekend. Um, they might, I, I hate to say they, Notre Dame might have a chance this year because they, they have the, the the right pieces in the right places and they have a nice formula this year they play great defense you know again as an offensive guy got to give kudos to the defense they're playing unbelievable defense right now um but you know alabama's alabama yeah and yeah they're alabama i've not seen much florida i'm going to try and watch them over the weekend and and see what they're all, all about too yeah, my wife went to BC, so we watched the the Notre Dame BC game, and uh, BC hung in there for a little while in that one. It, they played pretty well, and um, but yeah, Notre Dame's impressive. And then my brother went to Florida, University of Florida, so we watched them. Uh, I I haven't seen my brother since the beginning of the pandemic, but we watched a Florida game and kind of talked about it afterwards. And he um he was saying. Uh, you know, he really likes their quarterback. Trask is a, he's a great, you know, has a great arm. You'll, I, I think you'll be impressed if you watch him this weekend. He can definitely make all the throws that they, they need to in that offense. But, um, 
Yeah, it's been an exciting year. It's a, you know, it's it's nice to be able to watch some games on Saturday, even though it's been kind of an uneven season with the pandemic and the positive tests and everything like that. But it's been fun to stay connected that way and be able to talk about it. Uh, well, Coach Morick, I, I want to uh, thank you. It's been a great uh, honor to have you here on the podcast. And we'll, we'll uh, let our audience know that you can follow Coach uh, Morick on Twitter at the coach mo huddle so that's at da coach mo huddle um coach thanks so much for being on the pod i appreciate it thanks for the opportunity again yeah you're uh hopefully we'll be able to touch base with you again down the road uh the fnf coaches podcast is just a part of the fnf coaches platform visit fnfcoaches.com to see all of our content offerings like i said in the beginning of the pod you can buy a subscription to FNF Coaches Magazine, which consists of five uh, editions per year in 2021 for just $19.95. You can do that at FNFCoaches.com. Also, subscribe to the FNF Coaches Podcast on your preferred platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Pandora, and Google Play. Thanks again for listening. The FNF Coaches Podcast is an AE Engine production. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.